to Season 2 of Granite State Golfers with Micah. I am an avid amateur golfer in New Hampshire. This podcast dives into the stories of the top amateur golfers in my home state. We are about to tee off. Please join me. Welcome to Season 2 of Granite State Golfers. I hope everyone is doing well. Before I introduce this episode, let me say a few things about Season 2. I hope to release an episode in February and another one in March as the golf season starts up in New Hampshire. I hope to get back to a regular pace of two episodes a month. If you have ideas for guests that you'd like to hear on the show, please send them to me at micastark at gmail.com. A few personal notes. I used the off-season to dig into my own data from last year and see how I did against my goals, and then to help set goals for the upcoming season. I've listened to two podcasts recently that did a great job of discussing goal-setting. Check out episode 219 of The Trap Draw by No Laying Up in the first few episodes of season 6 of Chasing Scratch if you're interested in goal-setting. And my season will kick off in early April with a buddy's trip to Bandon Dunes, I was there in 2014 and can't wait to get back. Maybe we'll do a trip recap episode when we get back from the trip. This episode features my swing coach, Brian Diamond. Brian teaches at Willow Creek Golf Academy, which is part of Atkinson Country Club. He has a fascinating golf career. You will hear about some amazing courses he got to work at across the country. And he's also he also played in the Pennsylvania High School Championship against Jim Furyk. Turns out Jim was a good golfer in high school. Brian also shares some ideas for what we can be doing to work on our games during the winter as we wait for the snow to melt and the courses to open. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi, Brian. Welcome to Granite State Golfers, and thanks for coming on the show this morning. Thanks for having me, Micah. Let's start in the beginning. Where did you grow up, and when did you start playing golf, and who got you into golf? Well, I grew up in Johnstown, Pennsylvania which is in Western PA on an hour and a half east of Pittsburgh. I started around the age of five or six. I started at, and I started up in, and played from that age up through up until high school at a nine hole municipal golf course called Berkeley Hills in, uh, in Johnstown. And that's where I learned the game. I, I actually don't remember who initially introduced me to golf, but we had, we had a few kids on the street that played and my grandparents played and my dad played. So I'm sure that all had an influence. Yeah. Now you mentioned playing up through high school. Did you play in high school? Did you play on a high school team? I did. So in Johnstown um, and some of your listeners might be familiar with the Son of Hannah amateur. It's one of the top amateur invitational tournaments in the country. Most of the PGA tour players have, made their way to Johnstown to play in the Sunahan Amateur. So Sunahan is the private 18-hole country club in, in Johnstown, and that's where my high school team played. So when we got to high school, um, my parents got me a membership at Sunahan so that I could uh, have more access and, and more opportunities to play and practice. In fact, until high school, I was thinking about this, I don't think I ever was on a driving range. Um, and I played a lot of golf growing up from age five to 15, 10 years without being on a driving range, but a lot of, a lot of, uh, 
nine whole tours, 54 whole days around that uh, nine whole municipal course. Yeah. Um, in high school, what was your, what was your game like in high school? Actually, I would say my game, it was good. I competed, I would say from a competition standpoint, it was some of the best golf that I've played. I got, I qualified for, um, some big tournaments I got to play. I grew up in the, uh, the same age as like Phil Mickelson, Jim Furyk, um, David Duvall is a little bit younger, but I, I qualified for a big tournament that we played in at Pinehurst and got to uh, experience that. So I was, I was a good player in high school, um, made it to the state championship uh, for Pennsylvania my senior year. And uh, I, was, I was telling some of the kids that I coached the other day, I, I was looking back at, at the, the state high school championship because they had just competed in it. And uh, I think I was, I shot like 78, 81 and Jim Furyk shot like 67, 68. And, and I said, that's the difference right there. Yeah. Right. When high school was over, what, where did you go then? And how did golf evolve in that next stage of life for you? Yeah. So um, I was, very fortunate that a good friend of mine was the assistant pro at Sonahanna and he came back from the PGA merchandise show, I think when I was a junior in high school and said, told myself and my parents, we should check out this professional golf management program, uh, which was at Ferris State University. So uh, at the time, there was only three schools in the country that had professional golf management as a major. Uh, Ferris was the first school in the country that had the program. Um, my mom and I went out to visit Ferris, which is in Big Rapids, Michigan, and um, uh, just really fell in love with the idea that I was <clears throat> that I could go to uh, college, get a, a four year degree in um, business marketing and also uh, get credits towards becoming a PGA golf professional. And um, that that was such a huge part of my life. Um, being in the professional golf management program. Uh, part of the program was doing, uh, I did three internships. You could go all over the country uh, and do your internships. And I, I, I spent a summer at Westchester Country Club in New York where they used to play a PGA Tour event. Um, I spent a winter at the Loxahatchee Club in Jupiter, Florida, where at the time Jack Nicholas was a member there and I got to spend time watching him play and practice. And then I finished up with a final internship at Canoebrook Country Club, which is a 36-hole uh, private family facility outside of New York City. Wow. Now, when you were at, at Ferris, did you also play? Was there a college team? Yeah, so they, they did have a team. They only had a spring season. And so I... I did not play because it was on a quarter system and, and I ended up going away my first year um, and didn't play. But there were, I think, 250 to 300 um, kids on campus that were in the PGM program. And we had tournaments every weekend. So I was always competing and playing golf, just not on the team there. Yeah. Um, when you leave Ferris, What's your first job in the golf industry? So I did my final internship at Canoebrook, which I had <clears throat> finished up my classwork and then went to Canoebrook. And I, I spent three years at Canoebrook, which was uh, just an awesome way to get into the business. I was an assistant pro. 
um, got, got my PGA membership while I was there. And then, um, I was able to do, get involved with all aspects of, um, teaching and, uh, merchandising and running tournaments and merchandising ended up being something that I was really interested in the, the merchandising of the shop, but also, um, you know, just working with the members on, on, uh, club fitting and that type of thing. And an opportunity opened up in 1995 to assist with the merchandising at the U S open in, at Shinnecock. Um, so the USGA was running the uh, merchandising and running the event at Shinnecock canoe Brook was down the street from the USGA headquarters. And uh, I decided to take that opportunity and that led me into uh, like a seven year um, career in event merchandising, first with the USGA. And then I moved over to the PGA of America and I ran, I helped run the merchandising for the PGA championship and the Ryder cup. And so after I left Shinnecock, I went to Riviera in, um, California helped out with the PGA championship. Then I moved to Valhalla and worked in, worked at uh, Valhalla in 1996, moved to Wingfoot and worked there in 1997. And then I um, moved briefly to Chicago in 98 to work at Medina for, to help with the 99 PGA championship and then moved to Boston where I spent two years working on the Ryder cup uh, at the country club in Brookline. And that's what brought me to new England. Wow. Those are some, uh, you just rattled off a sort of bucket list of courses that you got to spend some significant time at. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, to be in my, uh, mid, mid to late twenties, um, basically relocating around the country, um, setting up shop at, uh, at those facilities and getting a chance to, to, um, meet the professionals there and the membership there and the committees and all that was, was really a, a neat part of, uh, of my early career in golf. Yeah. Um, let's pause your career trajectory. I want to ask a question here about the merchandise and maybe my question, uh, maybe you won't agree with this question, but in that time period in golf, I would gather that there are some pretty dominant brands in merchandise and fast forward to now in these last few years, it seems that there is a, a, a really good growth of different brands and some smaller niche brands that you often see, um, you know, more pro shops carrying. And so I'm wondering what, is that a fair observation and how have you seen merchandise change over the last, you know, 20, 25 years? Yeah, I, I said, that's true. I mean, when, when I first, I, I'd say when I first started, um, there were even some brands that were really big at the time that now you don't see as much anymore, like Slozinger was huge in the event merchandising back in the mid nineties. Um, they got involved um, with uh, merchandising at Augusta and then, and kind of then got involved with the U S open and the PGA championship. And, and they were big. Ashworth was big. You don't really see that as much anymore. Um, and then, you know, there's, and like you said, now there's a lot of, of smaller niche companies. And I think that's just, um, because of the, I think the growth of the game has allowed that opportunity for, for um, smaller companies to get involved and golf's becoming more of a lifestyle uh, for just more people, yeah. which, which opens it up for 
more companies in all aspects of, yeah. of, of golf. So yeah, it's nice to see the niche companies and, and, um, and, it, and sometimes it amazes me to see some of the bigger companies or medium sized companies that have continued to, um, you know, stay with it all these years. Yeah. So back to your story, you, you help out for at the, at the uh, 99 Ryder cup at Brookline, which brought you to new England, brought you to the Boston area. When the, when that Ryder cup's over, what's the next stage of, of your golf story? So, uh, from the Ryder cup, the, I, uh, moved to Palm beach gardens, Florida and worked at the headquarters of the PGA of America for a couple of years. Um, during that time, got married, uh, had our first child and just made a family decision to move back to new England, to be closer to both of our families. And so I left the PGA of America, um, spent, did some things, uh, out of golf for a little bit and then uh jump back jump back in 90 or uh, i'm sorry 2005 i i worked for an opportunity opened up to be the sales rep for mcgregor golf company so mcgregor was the oldest uh golf brand and one of you know one of the most you know iconic golf brands that was kind of making a resurgence at the time had uh, new ownership, which uh, putting a lot of money into technology and they were way ahead of their time with technology. In fact, back then they, they had technology in their equipment that we're seeing today. And some of the, the companies are bringing out today that they had back in 05, 06, 07. Wow. So I did that for about four years. And then um, unfortunately McGregor went out of business they I, actually somebody just sent me a text yesterday that they that that they saw McGregor at the PGA merchandise show. So I'm coming <laughs> back again, <laughs> down but not out. Um, and this all led me to Atkinson Country Club, where I've been teaching at the Willow Creek Golf Academy, which is located at Atkinson Country Club in Atkinson, New Hampshire. You know, I would say teaching and coaching has always been even from way back when I was at Canoe Brook. Um, and now I just know is my passion and what just drives me every day um, as a person and, and, and uh, in golf. And I just love the opportunity to, to just help people all ages, all skill levels to uh, enjoy the game at whatever level they, they want to enjoy it at. So yeah. that's where I've been. I live in Atkinson and uh, I've been teaching here now since 2015. Wow. Well, I, I, I first met you through, through your teaching and, and coming to Willow Creek a couple winters ago. And I can certainly vouch for your passion in teaching, uh, which is just fantastic. And I've, I've learned a lot from you. Say a little bit. Of, you also spend a lot of time working with youth in golf and coaching kids. Say a little bit about that part of your teaching and coaching. Yeah. In fact, um, the... I would say the juniors and the youth is what's enabled me to be able to build my career now um, to be able to do this full time. Um, it started out really through, um, well, I, I did get on the board of directors for the first tee of New Hampshire um, and spent a couple of years helping that organization. And then um, uh, through uh, the PGA Junior League, which is is now a thriving uh, 
uh, youth sports uh, program. Uh, back in 2014, 2015, it was just sort of in its infancy. And um, so I was, up until then, I had spent a lot of time coaching hockey and coaching baseball for my son. And when Junior League started at Atkinson, I recruited all the kids that I had coached in baseball and hockey to come out and try golf. And over the years, we've ended up growing a huge junior program at Atkinson Country Club, where at any given time, we'll have 60 to 80 kids involved with our junior league programs and hundreds of kids over the course of a year that are coming here to to learn the game and grow in the game. Um, We're very fortunate that the ownership here at Atkinson, not only uh, we have this great golf academy, but they also give us uh, tee times on both our our championship course and our par three course on the weekends in the, in the uh, late afternoons, early evenings for the kids to get out and play. So, um, so we've had a huge program. The PGA junior league has developed into kind of like little league baseball where there's a local program and it goes all the way to a national championship. Uh, we made it to the national championship a few years ago, which is in, uh, was in Arizona at the time. And now it's even televised on ESPN. So it's a big deal. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit more about Willow Creek. We're very fortunate where we are location wise because we're right on the New Hampshire mass border. Yeah. So we have a, a lot of people that come. I mean, I have people that come from Boston um, and all the way up to Concord, New Hampshire. And uh, people come from from all over to, yeah. uh, to come to Willow Creek. How many how many golf instructors are at Willow Creek right now? We have like. I think nine instructors. So we, we have uh, a great team of, of um, uh, men and women that, that are here teaching and, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Cool. Well, I'll, I'll say one of the, in addition to getting to work with you and being a great instructor, one of the other things I love about the facility for any listeners who haven't been there to see it, in addition to a sort of uh a regular range setup, but when you're in with the instructors, uh, there, there's just the state of the art technology. You're indoors in a, like a very nice sort of garage style bay, but you're hitting your balls into the actual outside. And that setup, uh, you know, first time I remember going there a few winters ago, I just love the setup there. You guys have a great, a great thing going. Well, it's, you're, you know, it's so nice to be able to, um, have, the opportunity year round. Like you said, uh, I just posted something the other day where I was giving a 10 year old a lesson uh, during the snowstorm we were getting the other night. And um, it, the, the snow was just coming down like crazy and he's hitting balls and he doesn't even have a jacket on. And it's, it was just, just so awesome. That's great. But, yeah. Speaking of winter, next thing I want to ask you about, uh, we're obviously here in New Hampshire, deep in our winter the season's going to, you know, we're a few months away from the season beginning. What sort of, you know, if people can't get to your kind of facility and they don't have a sim in their garage or basement, what's some general advice you have for golfers in this off season of things they can be doing to work on all aspects of their game in preparation for the start of golf, hopefully in late March or April? I mean, the, 
the one of the cool things that's happening now and it's just like exploding is that uh these indoor golf facilities are popping up all over the place so um i mean i was just at the mall the other day and there was this like amazing golf facility and i walked inside to check it out and every single there was like seven midday there were seven uh track man uh courses going with foursomes on each one of them in the middle of the day it was great so these things are popping up in strip malls and shopping malls um at at uh public and private facilities where people could have access to 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 it um i think that uh you know, if you don't have access to that, I, I think, you know, the, the winter time is a great opportunity to maybe do some stuff in the gym, whether it's a home gym or, you know, going to a, a health club. But, and you know, golf, I do do a lot of things at the gym that always seem to be golf specific, but just trying to stay uh, limber and loose, stretching, working on things that are rotational. Um, things that that seem to make sense for golf specific training working on balance um and just overall cardio and then um i also for me anyway this time of year i i feel like i do a lot more reading and i've been spending a lot more time reading on uh, especially the mental part of the game yeah um so i've had some some great uh, books that I've been reading, reading not only on the mental part of golf, but just sports and just overall life and mindfulness and stuff yeah. like that. So I think stuff like that helps in the off season. Good, good advice. Uh, let's move into a lightning round. I call gimme's uh, short, mostly straightforward questions. Uh, the first one: What's your favorite course in New Hampshire? Well, I definitely have to put Atkinson on the list because of um, just I'm going to have so many fond memories of a lot of a lot of yeah. things. Um, and then um, my friends always make fun of me because every course I play is always my favorite course. I think I love every course I play. So I guess the last course I played in New Hampshire, which I which I never had an opportunity to play before, was Portsmouth and had a lot of fun there. Good. Yeah, it's a great track your current favorite club in your bag? My favorite club would be my 56 degree wedge. Um, I think I have it in my hand 10 to 12 hours a day as I give (laughs) lessons. You know, it's, it's the club that's the most versatile in your bag. You can make full swings with it and everything in between from flop shots to full swings and knockdowns and spin and less, more spin, less spin. So a lot of variety with the 56. Yeah. Nice. Uh, okay. This one's multiple choice. Um, your favorite shot, would you like a, just a smoked drive, a flushed mid iron or draining a long putt? The, I also, this is also funny because I've listened to all of your podcasts and I think everybody picks the putt, but, uh, but, and, and I was thinking about it. I, I don't, for me, I expect to make the putts, I think, because I don't get as excited about them when I make them. But when I hit a long iron shot, I always remember it. I think. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the long iron. Yeah, I, I agree. I think most people have picked the putt, but I'm with you though. Um, I mean, I, I'd love to make more putts, but maybe I feel like I probably 
hit fewer really flushed, you know, six irons or five irons. And when those happen, I agree. You, you remember those. And there's just a feeling about that that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Do you have a, a current favorite PGA and or LPGA player that you like a lot? Uh, yeah. In fact, you know, Nelly Corda is, um, you know, obviously doing really well right now. And I have a slow motion swing of her on my, on my phone and it says swing it like Nelly. And I, I think I watch it 20 times a day and it's already helped me. Yeah. I think, I, I think you've shown me that one that her swing is there's a reason why she gets lots of attention. Is there a course on your bucket list that you would love to play that you've not played? Now you've rattled off some pretty elite courses that you've been fortunate to be at in your career, but what's left on your bucket list that you'd love to get to? I'm in anticipation of this question. I actually had to go to the top. You know, I went to the golf digest top 100. Okay. And I've, I've played seven out of the top 10 and the three in the top 10, I haven't played Cypress point pine Valley and Augusta. And so I'd say I have to pick Augusta just because it's Augusta and yeah. I've got to play there. Yeah. Good. <laughs> uh, and last question, uh, golf, as you said, you, you started playing golf when you were five and golf has been a huge part of your life since then and continues to be. Why do you love the game of golf so much? You know, the, the thing about golf is that I, I, I'm addicted to it. I, I literally could play golf, talk golf, practice golf and play golf all day. Um, and I could probably do it all day and all night if I didn't need to sleep. And it, it's just something that's addictive about golf. That's that I love. I, I love, like I could talk to you about golf all day. I love conversing with people that are as passionate about golf as I am. And there's just something about the game that is addictive and it's, and it, I caught the, I caught the bug when I was really young and, and never got sick of it. I could go out and play 36 holes today and, and still want to practice afterwards. Yeah, I hear you. That's a, that's a great answer. I, and I, and I suspect a lot of other people listening identify with that addiction. Well, Brian, it was great chatting with you and, and hearing about your story and your career in golf. Um, and I appreciate your time and I appreciate you coming on the show today. I, yeah, thank you for having me. It was great. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Granite State Golfers is produced by Dew Sweeper Productions. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and leave a review. For those of us in winter climates, the season will be here before we know it. Until then, be well and LGLG. LG.